Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for putting us into his family, Father. I thank you that your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing in two soul and spirit, joints and marrow as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart, Father. We look forward to your word now. We look forward to the move of your spirit. We thank you, Father, that you are here with us and among us, and we trust you right now. Speak to every heart. Father, I pray for every single one of us. That we wouldn't just hear with our, uh, the ears that are on our head, Father, but that we would open our hearts to everything that you have to tell us and to show us and to reveal to us by your Spirit. Father, I thank you that we have a great capacity to receive, that we're made in your likeness and in your image, that we've been made uh, through Jesus Christ new creatures in him. And Father, that we live and move and breathe and find our being in him. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 49 in the Passion Translation, he said, I have come to set the earth on fire. He said, I have come to set the earth on fire. And how I long for every heart to be already ablaze with this fiery passion for God. In other words, uh, you know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. One translation said, I have come that you might have life and that you have it to the full. In other words, uh, the will of God. Jesus said, I came to do the will of my father. He said, what you hear me say, what you see me do, I got from him. I'm not here doing my own thing. And he said, I am here. The, he said, the enemy of John 10, 10 has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he said right there in John, hey, let's identify who's for you, who's against you. He said, the enemy, your enemy, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Greek word for life there is the word zoe, and that actually means the life of God and the nature of God or the same kind of life that God is and has himself, the same kind of life that sustains God. Jesus said, I came that you might have that kind of life and that you would have it overflowing in abundance, more than enough, right? So the life that Jesus gives us and that God gives us through Christ is not just barely enough that you should just, just kind of like make it through life like, I thought that'd never be over. Uh, uh, I can't believe I actually made it. No, no, no. That is not the will of God for any human being on the face of the earth. He doesn't want you bogged down, trudging down. You know what? Let's turn over to Luke chapter 4 real quick. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, he stood up. Uh, went to the synagogue and he stood up to read in verse 18. He, he found uh, in the book of Isaiah where it was written, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Literally, that means to the poor. It doesn't mean just poor like you don't have a lot of money, although it includes that, but it means those that are trodden down or someone has their foot on you holding you down. He said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, this is the time. 
This is the time to receive the grace of God and the abundance of God and the life of God. This is the time to really start living. This is the time to, to you know, kind of get off your rear end and look to God and receive all that he has for you. Why? Because he wants you to have life and more abundantly. Uh, he knows the plans he has for you. And Jeremiah said they're good plans, not evil plans, to give you a hope and a future. God is a good God. Psalm 119, verse 63. He is good and he always does good. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know if she still preaches, but that, that uh, uh, what was her name? Kate McVeigh? She preached, God is good and the devil is bad. She preached that sermon for years. She was a traveling minister. God is good and the devil is bad. God is good and the devil is bad. Why? Well, you say, like, how could you preach that for years? Because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. They're not aware of that. Hallelujah. There are many voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. In other words, there's a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And you've got to figure out which voice you're tuning into. And you've got to figure out which voice is speaking to you. Well, somebody said, like, I, you know, I made fun of a friend of mine one time. There was a song that people were singing, I don't know, five, six years ago. And some line in that song says, I want to hear voices. And so uh, my friend is, like, very, like, conservative and, like, uh, I don't know how you explain it. But so I stand next to him, and he sang that. And I said, you just say you want to hear voices? He's like, oh, I'm not going to sing that again. <laughs> well, uh, there's those kind of voices, but there's also voices like influences. Well, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you looking at? You know, what you look at, you're going to go towards. I learned that when I was first learning to drive. And my daughter, you know, she's going to be 13 this year, a teenager, first, our first teenager in the house. And I'm like, woo, how did that happen so fast? And so uh, we were up in Minnesota, and um, nobody get upset at me, but we were up in Minnesota at Christmas time, and it snowed a bunch. And so there was this business that went out of business, and a new business came in. So big parking lot, but they haven't opened up yet, and so it was full of snow. So I took my daughter, and I let her drive in this parking lot a little bit. At first, I showed her and did some different things, and she did really, really well, you know. But uh, I was explaining to her, now don't look at me while you're driving. Because, like, there's a light pole right here on this side, and I'm on this side of the car. Well, when I was 16 years old and I, I, was, I had my license and I was driving, uh, you know, my parents probably told me something similar. But I remember, man, just like half a mile from my house, I was on this road, and uh, uh, I, I looked down to, like, turn up the radio or tune it. I don't remember what I was doing, but it was right here to my right. And, man, I was driving about 45 miles an hour, and before I knew it, I was on the shoulder heading for like a tree. And I was like, oh! Boy, that taught me fast. And I, I remember thinking, I still remember to this day, I, I should have listened to my parents. But I thought, it's just going to take just a second. I'm just going to do this, you know. But I was an inexperienced driver, so I didn't realize, you know, where you're looking, you're going to go. Well, it's the same thing. Like what you're looking at, you're going to go that direction. Uh, you, somebody said, you are what you eat. Well, uh, what are you eating? Like, what are you thinking on? As a man uh, thinks in his heart, so, so is he, you know? And so well, where are your thoughts? Because your thoughts will change the course of your life. 
This is why Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test the perfect will of God. Good, pleasing, and perfect will, one translation says. Why? Because once you're born again, once you're made a new creature in Christ Jesus, your mind needs to be changed. You still have the same thoughts in your mind. And so if you want to see like one of the most frustrated people in the world, uh, find someone that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and decided not to live like it. Why is that? Well, it is because, I wish I had a little board up here. It's because mankind is a three-part being. What you see is my body. But I have a mind, will, and emotions. The Bible calls that the soul. And then I have a spirit. The real me is a spirit. And you find this out like, uh, I like to say even Hollywood knows this. Because they'll say like, you know, people just like me for my body. Or people dislike me for my body. Right? So every human pretty much knows you're more than just your body. Well, if you, when you're born again, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You're, you are reborn from above. So you get the nature of God. You actually become one spirit with the spirit of God. Uh, the Bible says, uh, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. One translation said you become a species of being which never existed before. So you are brand new. But if you don't live like you're brand new, 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, behold. In other words, if you don't see it and you don't know it, well, you're born again on the inside, so your desires change from your spirit. But your flesh still has wants and desires. And if your mind hasn't been changed, your mind is going to reason out that your flesh is the way to go. Like your flesh wants this. If you've ever tried to like uh, tighten up on what you're eating a little bit, you know what I'm talking about. Like your flesh wants to have like uh, these foods and these different things. And if you decide I'm going to go on a little bit of a diet or I'm just going to hold back on this. Or if you ever fasted and, uh, you know, a, a total fast or a partial fast or any kind of fast, uh, you find out real quick, you know, that your flesh has a voice. <laughs> your flesh says, I want that food. And I want it now. And then your mind, you know, let's just say you're fasting. Well, then your mind is going to side in with your body if your mind doesn't have any word from God to stand on concerning what the word of God says about fasting. Because your mind's going to say, like, this is a waste of time. How could this do any good? What's the purpose of this? You know, you just start that tomorrow. <laughs> You're like, okay, that's good. <laughs> so then tomorrow comes and you're like, you know what? I have to like, I've got a lot of physical work to do today. So well, you just start that the next day. And your mind's like, you know, your mind will say, yeah, you know, you need your rest and you need your strength. And like, uh, you don't need to be going through all this, right? So there's voices in the world. One of the voices is your flesh. But the other voice is you hear these inputs, like words are the most powerful thing in the world. And words 
can change a situation in an instant. Like, I want, you should never hear me say this, I want a divorce. I don't want a divorce. But those words, that one, that one sentence, I guarantee you, if it's spoken from the heart, changes the atmosphere. If it's not a joke or something like that, or an illustration. I knew, I, knew, I knew you wouldn't, right? Those words change. Will you marry me? I don't like you. I hate you. I love you. Words can make, you're fired. How about you're hired? How about you got the promotion? Words are seeds. Uh, you know, uh, Kenneth Hagin's brother, his name was Dub. And so they grew up, and at six years old, when Kenneth Hagin was six years old, his dad just left his wife and kids and never came back. So they grew up without a father. And uh, because of that, you know, kids at school make fun of him, say all these words to them, sow all this into them. His brother, his older brother, you know, never made it past the second grade. So then his, his family would say, hey, like, come help, come help on the farm. Uh, they're so old, you know, they didn't even have, like, powder, uh, powered plows. They had, like, mules that they would plow with. So he'd plow in the summer. They said, hey, you can live with us uh, all year long if you just help us put in the crop. So I put in the crop, but come wintertime, they kicked him out. Lied to him. Well, so he grew up, and he would, like, if you say anything to him at all, he will whoop your tail. <laughs> He's going to beat you up because he grew up. Why? Because words were spoken to him. He saw actions. He saw different things. He eventually got born again. The Lord changed him, you know. And his, his, his older brother, who everybody knows about, Kenneth Hagin pretty much, you know, he said, we had a plan. We were going to kill our father. He said, the only reason we didn't is I got born again and the love of God came into me. And I was changed. People that are really born again are changed by God himself. They get a new nature. I read about these um, two uh, Indian tribes. And uh, they were always fighting, always after each other, always trying to kill each other. And then missionaries came, and they got born again. And both of the chiefs who were always trying to uh, kill each other would sit and worship God together. The world doesn't have that. That the sworn enemies to kill each other are sitting there together, worshiping the Lord together. That's the love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5 says. And so Jesus said, I have come to set a fire on the earth, and how I long for every heart to be already ablaze with this fiery passion for God. That his life that he has, he wants to give to every single person on the earth. He's saying, as I am, I want you to be. And to the believer, he says, as I am, so are you in this world. In other words, as I am in heaven. In other words, Jesus uh, doesn't have any guilt, 
doesn't have any pain, doesn't have any worries, doesn't have any lack. And he said, as I am, so are you in this world, speaking to the believer. And so in him is true freedom. Zechariah chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord will make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the fields. Now the margin of my Bible for bright clouds actually says lightnings. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord will make lightnings and give them showers of rain. You ever noticed normally before the rains, before the heavy rains, you get the lightnings and the thunders. You see lightning and thunder, and then all of a sudden, there'll be like a deluge. It'll let loose. The heavens will let loose rain, and the rain will come. Well, over in Colorado, where it's so dry, when actually you get the lightnings and the thunderstorms, that's when you get the fires. So you get actually the fire with the rain. Why? Because there's lightning with it. So Jesus said, I came to set a fire on the earth. I, I, I came to burn some stuff up. I came to set you on fire. He said, wait till you be filled with power from on high. And they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and what? Fire. Baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. And we're still learning more about fire, aren't we? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The fire of God, the, the, the Lord will set you on fire. What does that mean? That means you're set on fire of him, that there is something burning inside of you, and it is the Spirit of God pulling you, driving you, burns out the chaff, but sets you on fire for his plan, sets you on fire for his purpose. So Zechariah said, ask of the Lord. In other words, pray. Ask of the Lord rain in the times of the latter rain, and he will give showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Amplified says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter or spring rain. It is the Lord who makes lightnings which usher in the rain and give men showers and grass to everyone in the field. In other words, you ever been to a really dry area? I've had uh, two houses that um, have a decent amount of clay in the soil. Uh, this current one has the highest amount of clay in the soil I've ever experienced. But I remember when I bought a house in Michigan, uh, we had, uh, it's kind of sandy up there. So we had sandy ground, but then down, there was a little creek in the back of our property. And so down by the creek, uh, we had areas of clay. And man, when that would get dry, it would crack and it would expand and it would get hard as a rock. And you can't get through it. You can't try to plant anything in it. You can't do anything with it. But when it would rain, man, it would get slippery. It would soften up. And then you sink right into it. <laughs> so you can plant right into it. Well, Psalm uh, chapter 63, one of, my, one of my most favorite psalms. Oh, 
God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see your power and your glory so as I have seen you in the sanctuary. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you. While I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches, because you've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God, and everyone that swears by him will, will glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies uh, will be stopped." My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. It is amazing what hunger for God and thirst for God will produce. When you begin to pray for rain, you pray for the rain of the Spirit, that suddenly there was rain. Suddenly uh, there was uh, outpouring from the Lord. Isaiah 45, 8 says, Rain down, you heavens from above. Let fall in showers, you heavens from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness, the pure spiritual heaven-born possibilities that have their foundation in the holy being of God. Let the earth open and let them, the skies and the earth, sprout forth salvation and let righteousness germinate and spring up as plants do together. I, the Lord, have created it. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose. Uh, it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I have sent it. James chapter 5, verse 7, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, and as the latter and the former rain on the earth. Now let's turn over to Acts, and we'll finish up in Acts. Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I'm going to read uh, in the um, Passion Translation, Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, to Theophilus, the lover of God, I write to you again, my dear friend, to give you further deta details about the life of our Lord Jesus and all the things that he did and taught. Just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. After the sufferings of his cross, Jesus appeared alive many times, to those same apostles over a 40-day period. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. Jesus instructed them, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time now for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? 
He answered, The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be filled with power. And you will be messengers to Jerusalem and Judea, to the distant provinces, even to the remotest parts of the earth. I'll pause there for just a second, hopefully not too long. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and be witnesses unto me. A witness is two things. A witness tells what they have experienced, but also lives what they have experienced. In other words, you are forever changed because of what you have witnessed. You met someone that was in New York on 9-11. I guarantee you, because they witnessed that, they are different. You meet a firefighter who's been a firefighter for very long. I guarantee you, because of what they witnessed, they are different. Well, when you witness God himself and love that the world does not know and does not have, and you allow that love to have a place in your life, you are different and you are a witness. When you experience healing of an incurable disease that the world says and the best doctors say, uh, you're going to have that for the rest of your life and that is going to kill you. But Jesus set you free. You are a witness. When you had lack, you didn't know where the money was going to come from. You didn't know how you're going to be provided for. And Jesus made a way and provided for you. You are a witness. When you were sitting alone and contemplating suicide and the Spirit of God came in, or cause you to hear someone speak the word of God and it set you free, woke you up. Timothy says, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, says, pray that God would get, grant repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that people would wake up and escape the snare of the devil. Let me tell you, you're a witness. So you will receive power to be a witness after the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power to be a witness. Uh, verse 9. Right after he spoke these words, the disciples saw Jesus lifted up into the sky and disappear into a cloud. And they started into the, as, as they stared into the sky, rather... Watching Jesus ascend, two men in white robes suddenly appeared beside them. They told the disciples, Galileans, why are you staring up into the sky? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, and he will come back the same way that you saw him ascend. The disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem. Less than a mile away, arriving there, they went into a large second-floor room to pray. Those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, and the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of Jacob, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. Interesting, Mary was there on the day of Pentecost. His brothers were there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding day and night. During this time, Peter stood up among the 120 believers who were gathered and said, Fellow believers, the scripture David prophesied by the Holy Spirit concerning Judas had to be fulfilled. Judas betrayed, betrayed our Lord and led the mob to the garden to arrest him. He was one of us, 
And he was chosen to be an apostle just as we were. He earned the wages of his sin, and he fell headfirst, and his belly split open, spilling his intestines on the ground. Everyone in Jerusalem knows what happened to him. That's why the field where he died is called in Aramaic, Hakodama, that is, the bloody field. For it is written in the Psalms, let his house be deserted and become a wasteland. No one will live there. And also, let another take his ministry. So then, we must can, uh, choose this replacement from among us, uh, those who were among us from the very beginning. I'll skip down to chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled all the disciples... Uh, were gathering in one place, suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds were coming to where it was coming from, stunned from what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? We are uh, northeastern Iranians. Northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judah, East Central Turkey, the coastal regions of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, South Turkey, Egypt, uh, Libyans, who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. They all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What is this phenomenon? Imagine the first time you ever heard someone speak in other tongues. But others poked fun at them and said, oh, they're just drunk on new wine. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted. We're talking about the outpouring, praying for rain and the outpouring. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it is only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. And your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below, blood and fire and pillars of Clouds will appear, for the sun will be turned to dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Peter continued, people of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus, the victorious, was a man on a divine mission whose authority was clearly proven. For you know how God performed many powerful miracles, signs, and wonders through him. This man's destiny was prearranged. For God knew that Jesus would be handed over to be crucified and that you would execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. God destroyed the cords of death and raised him up. Hallelujah. Because it was not possible for death's power to hold him prisoner. This is the very thing David prophesied about him. 
Now here's David's prophecy. I continually see the Lord in front of me. He's at my right hand and I am never shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and my glory celebrates. My mouth is filled with his praises. I have hope that my body will live because you will not leave my soul among the dead, nor will you allow your sacred one to experience decay. For you have revealed to me the pathways of life and seeing your face fills me with euphoria. My fellow Jews... This is back to Peter. My fellow Jews, I can tell you there is no doubt that our noted patriarch has both died and been buried in his tomb, speaking of David, which remains to this day. So you can see that he was not referring to himself with those words. But as a prophet, he knew God's faithful promise made with God's unbreakable oath that one of his descendants would take his throne. So when peering into the future, David prophesied of the Messiah's resurrection. And God revealed to him that the Messiah would not be abandoned to the realm of death, nor would his body experience decay. Can you see it? God has resurrected Jesus, and we all have seen him. Then God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of the highest honor, and the Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured out upon us today. This is what you're seeing and hearing. David wasn't the one who ascended into heaven, but the one who prophesied. The Lord Jehovah said to my Lord, I honor you by enthroning you beside me until I make your enemies a footstool beneath your feet. Now everyone in Israel can know for certain that Jesus, whom you crucified, is the, is the one God has made both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, What do we need to do, brothers? Isn't that awesome? He that loves correction loves life. Imagine if you just found out you crucified the Messiah. <laughs> well, in a sense, you did. Because <laughs> your sins and your stubbornness and your self-will crucified him because he came to set you free from that. He came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. He looked at man's condition in the beginning. God created Adam and Eve, and he said, I want a relationship, I want a family, and the devil, that lying fool, came and messed it all up. He tempted mankind, and mankind gave in to him. When mankind gave in to him, uh, God had already said to Adam, I give you dominion over the earth. In other words, I have created all of this. Now you're in charge. You have authority. What you say goes. So Adam said, okay, I'm going to do what this serpent says. He gave up his authority to a, to a snake. And with it, all of mankind's authority. So somebody said, how come if God loves people, then why does he let all of these bad things happen? Well, he delegated authority on the earth to Adam, and Adam delegated his authority, gave up his authority, usurped his authority to the enemy. So that's why Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief, that is the devil, has come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So whatever you're thinking about that you're like, how can God be doing that? If it's stealing, killing, or destroying, it's not God. You have to identify your enemy. If you do not identify your enemy, 
He will overtake you. He will steal from you. Some people say, well, you know, uh, well, the Lord makes people sick to teach them something. That is unscriptural. That's not in the Bible anywhere. Jesus said, I come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. Peter said, you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Matthew said, himself took your infirmities and sicknesses, lifted them off of you. Jesus said, uh, he went about doing, or uh, I think, excuse me, Luke said, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing. So if he went about doing good and healing, then how in the world is he putting sickness on people? And plus, if you look at the whole picture, in the Garden of Eden, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no sickness and no disease and no dying. And if you look in the book of Revelation, after this devil is locked up, there is no sickness, no disease, no dying, no, no even crying. Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. He said, I came to do the will of my Father. I came to reveal the will of my Father. The Word and the Spirit agree. So if you have a voice or a thought or something comes to you that says like, oh, this is to teach you, this is going to make you more spiritual, uh, you know, just find that scripture and bring it to me. The Bible says the mouth of two or three witnesses, so why don't you find two or three? You're not going to find it. Hallelujah. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they'd done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? In other words, what, what do we do? Uh, we realize this, we see this now. Right? They thought they were doing the will of God. They thought Jesus was a heretic. How could he say these things? How could he do these things? Well, they had the wrong information here. They had the wrong influences. Remember, uh, they, they stirred up the crowd. The Pharisees, rulers of the law, stirred up the crowd to get Jesus crucified. They planted all these thoughts to get him crucified. So the people went with those thoughts instead of responding to what he, the Lord had said. Peter replied, this is what you do. Repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you will take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit, for God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born, and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That is such good news. Hallelujah. Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, Be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. This is the latter rain. Zechariah said, pray for the rain. Pray for the latter rain. So we need to pray for the rain. Because when the rain comes, you find out 
things change. The video we watched last week, the little at the at the very end. If you didn't see it, I don't know if you have it. You probably don't have it. Do you have it again? Uh, let, let's we'll let him pull that up once he gets it. We'll play it. But you see what happens when rain hits these plants. Like these plants are ready, but nothing's happening until the rain comes. And when the rain comes, uh, uh, everything's different. Everything changes. So I've been, you know, the Lord put on my heart uh, this year. One of the things I, I'm I'm praying and really focusing my faith, my actions, and my prayers on the lost and the harvest field. Jesus said, look at the fields. They're white already to harvest. So what happens? Well, when the rain comes, the harvest just bursts forth. Go ahead. When the rain comes, Paul said, or Luke said in Acts chapter 2, uh, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it will come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Something happens when the spirit of God comes upon people. If you're not born again, he convicts you of sin because you don't believe on him. Not because you're a bad person. He convicts you like you can't live your life without me. You can't live a full life without me. If you're born again, you get power to be a witness. I love uh, verse 21 right after um, Peter is talking about Joel's prophecy. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel, and he said, It'll come to pass, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The greatest thing, uh, somebody said, uh, Kenneth Hagin said, the message that the world needs to hear is how to receive Jesus, and the message that the church needs to hear is how to receive the Holy Spirit. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, He is the Lord of life and He is the Lord of all. He paid the price for your sins, your mistakes, your failures, your pride. Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. What happens? Well, you take everything that you are and you give it up. You give it to the Lord. You turn to him from your heart. You say, Lord, I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm going to live for you every single day. You respond to what the Spirit of God is doing. You don't go to heaven when you die because you do a lot of good things or because you're very disciplined or because you, you don't say bad words or, and you give money to the poor and you give money to the church. Uh, that doesn't get you to heaven. The only way to the Father is through His Son, Jesus Christ. As many as received Christ, God gave the power to be the children of God. If you're here this morning, you'd like to receive Jesus, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He knows where you're at and what you're going through. Number two, if you're here this morning, and you were living for the Lord, but you got distracted by everything that happens in life, and you, you, you went away, and you walked away from the Lord, and you feel in your heart that you need to come back. I want to invite you to come back. The Bible says that the backslider is full of his own ways. 
I want you to be full of the ways of God because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you'd like to come back, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, pray for you. You can come back in an instant. You'll be right with God. That burden just, just roll off you. You don't have that uh, guilt, anxiety, worry, fear, gone. Number three, if you're here this morning, you've never been filled with the Spirit. Jesus said, you get power to be a witness. Wait till you receive power from on high. So power to be a witness, power to live right, power to tell people about the Lord. You see the power of God, you know, he'll speak through you. You'll be like, where did that come from? Well, that came from his spirit. If you'd like to be filled with the spirit this morning, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, pray for you. every head bowed, every eye closed. Just each one examining your heart. What's going on in your heart? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Any one of those three? Anybody want to respond to any one of those three? You want to be born again? You want to come back? You want to be filled with the Spirit? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you Thank you so much for your word, that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to be uh, left to our own ability. We don't have to be left to what the world would pigeonhole us into or the, the abuse that the world would try to um, do to us, but that you have set us free by the blood of your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the freedom that he gives. Father, we thank you. I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice. Father, that this year, 2020, will be the best year of each one of our lives. I pray this year, Father, that we'll draw nearer to you and closer to you. I pray this year, Father, that there'll be more around the world come into your family and come to know you and get set free from all of the traps that the devil puts on people, all of the bondages, all of the, the lack and the sickness and the disease. Father, we thank you this year. For many salvations, many people filled with your spirit, many people healed, many people delivered, many people set free from poverty. Father, we thank you that you are alive and you are alive in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.